Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Hi, this is Claudia Rosette. I'm a foreign policy fellow with the Independent Women's Forum, and I have the great pleasure today of hosting for a discussion about Taiwan, Free China. Uh, Alicia Maldonado, who is a uh, terrific writer and a um, senior policy fellow with the Independent Women's Forum and a member of the New York Post editorial board. Alicia, welcome. Hi, Claudia. Thank you for having great me. Great to have you. Yeah, a pleasure. Um, Okay, we're here. You wrote an article uh, in November with the alarming headline, Taiwan fears it will become the next Hong Kong. And uh, there's been, as people have seen in the news, a lot of terrible things have been going on in Hong Kong this year where China has basically transformed it from a free society into another piece of China with arrest, repression, and so on. Um, but can you tell us a little more, just for starters, about what you mean that Taiwan fears it will become the next Hong Kong? What does that entail? Well, um, you know, Hong Kong, as we all know, is, you know, democratic, you know, had their own uh, law and order. Um, and, and Taiwan is was much the same. They're independent. They're, they still go under the name Taiwan Republic of China. But they're, they have free elections. They're a free country. They're independently run. Um, and they, they see, so as they are so close to China as well, what they've done in Hong Kong, and because China fears freedom and democracy, that they're coming for them next. And I think that they have every right to have that fear. Um, and I think it's a very real one. It's a very genuine that now that China's taken Hong Kong, there's there's Taiwan. Let's go get them next. And and you can see yeah. them doing all maybe, these military exercises. Go maybe ahead. we should throw in just a little bit of background um, because uh, what is what exactly is Taiwan? Um, back in 1949, when the communists took over China, the nationalist government that was our ally in World War II, which helped us win World War II. Uh, was defeated and fled to Taiwan and set up the Republic of China on Taiwan. And it was a dictatorship for many decades, but then they went democratic. And they're now a Chinese democracy, sort of a shining example of Mm -hmm. how democracy can work with Chinese culture. Just as Hong Kong was wanted desperately, democracy is a free culture, free society. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, and exactly, um, the China has claimed that uh, Taiwan as a rogue province. They want to take it back, and that's right. the threats have grown and grown. So, um, you actually can just to give people a sort of a feel for the place. You went there not so long ago. Um, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, you went there on a, a, a Taiwan government-sponsored trip. But there's a reason why you chose that path uh, and why they are bringing journalists over and trying desperately, really, to get attention. Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, I got to go last year, last December, actually. 
And it was just a really, really wonderful and enriching experience. You know, the Taiwanese are, they love America. They love democracy. And, um, and they want to be our friend. Uh, they, they're really trying to be hard, hard to be a best friend. Um, and so they're trying to bring over, you know, journalists and, and other writers and thinkers to see how their country works, to see that it is a flourishing democracy and, and, and hopefully give them some support. And so it was easy for me to say yes to because um, that's not a, that I already believe that, you know, I'm already on their side, to be honest. Um, because I think that we should be friends to people who love democracy, especially in that region, especially with China so close trying to go for world domination, because let's be honest, that's what they're going for. And so, um, but it's a really vibrant culture, very, very free and democratic one, lovely people um, who are open and and really love America. And like they kept saying, everyone I talked to, we love America, we love Trump, you know. Um, but I think that they just appreciate that President Trump um, has been hard on China, and that was kind of been an, a comfort. But um, it was it was a really great experience to go and and get to talk to a bunch of people who who share the values that Americans share. Could we um, maybe let's let's chat a little bit about what happened at the very beginning of this year with the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, when we saw the difference, I think, in very stark contrast between China and Taiwan. China Mm -hmm. covered up the outbreak until it was really starting to spread. Taiwan Mm -hmm. actually alerted the World Health Organization by asking about it. Um, Again, can you tell us a little bit about that? What is sort of the basic difference between communist China and free China, which is what we're talking about when we contrast the People's Republic of China with Taiwan? Well, I mean, I think that the Taiwanese have, or they know, by, by, you know, proxy, um, just how China works. And so they were, they were quicker than probably the rest of us to or the rest of the world to what they were doing or covering up, um, coronavirus, you know, and, um, and the head of the world health organization, Tedros, long, long name, um, he's kind of a handmaiden for, he's not kind of, he is, you know, he was put into, into that power, that power position by China. So you can see how they would, uh, cover that up, the World Health Organization helped cover that up. Um, but, you know, Taiwan got in front of it because they, they know how China works. And they just said, all right, we can't trust anything that they're saying. Um, so we're going to deal with this on our own. And if you look at their response to coronavirus, haven't shut down. Economy and is still is vibrant. Uh, I think that they have like a record number of debt, low number of deaths. Last time I looked, it was like seven or something like that. It may have gone up, but ever so slightly. Gone up very slightly, but basically they are one of the lowest numbers in the world. Uh, they are yeah. still well below a thousand cases and a very small number of deaths. Uh, they yeah. immediately put on all sorts of measures. Um, they did one other thing in that particular, that critical interval in January when China was just letting it spread and lying about it. and The World Health Organization was lying about it. Come on, held a presidential election in the middle of that That's time. Right. That's right. Yeah. Can you, I'm just trying to think, can you give us um, a little more sense of, you know, you've been there. What does it feel like? You get out at the airport. What kind of a place do you see? Is this the developed world? Is this a different world? Is it like us? What's viscerally, what do you remember from being there? 
Well, I mean, the first thing I thought of was the, the colors, of course, in the trees and um, so just how beautiful it was. Um, like the, the demographics, is that not the word I'm looking for? Um, just the way it looked, but, um, you know, it feels different in, in that any new city you go to feels different. But um, I just remember just being um, welcomed with open arms and um, they were just so kind. It was my overarching thought was, wow, these people are going out of their way to make sure um, the, the, these American tourists are taken care of, who get to see their country, you know, as, as many parts of it as they can, um, and who answer questions openly. And, you know, we got to go to different um, election headquarters for different, you know, from the different parties, and they were all just so willing and desperate, actually, to just show you how, how well their elections are running, um, or even, you know, despite the Chinese disinformation attempts, but, you know, in Taipei, how smooth that, smoothly that they can run. So that stands out. And so we have there the difference between one party rule in communist China and the various parties that you had a chance to talk, speak freely with on Taiwan. Um, now, the, one of the important issues here is what place does Taiwan occupy in the world? because we have here a free China. I mean, this is what we need China to be, what we hoped for decades that China, the People's Republic of China would become. And here on, on Taiwan, that's actually what's emerged, the democratic China. Um, but in the, there are 193 countries in the UN. Of these, how many countries still recognize Taiwan? So Taiwan has only 15 allies. Um, in total, that's including the Vatican, which is the only one in Europe. And the rest are um, a bunch of little uh, tiny island, Latin American, Caribbean countries, some small, you know, East Asia, Pacific countries, all, all places that most Americans would not even know is on the map or the name of. So that tells you a lot. And, so uh, among the world's great democracies, basically not one recognizes Taiwan. This is, this is due in part to China's constant campaign to hive off, to take away countries that deal officially with Taiwan that recognize it as part of the effort to downgrade it. Uh, yeah, well, can you give us the, 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 the countries that do recognize Taiwan? Yeah, so I mean, I would say also, you know, like this is what Beijing does. You know, when I, I talked to Foreign Minister Wu, um, and he said that his fear is that um, Taiwan is left out there dangling alone. And when you look at some of the allies that they have, not to diminish the allies that they do have, but, um, you know, the Marshall Islands, Eswatini, uh, Belize, Haiti, Nicaragua, you know, there's St. Kitts, Nevis, you know, so these smaller islands, you know, Nicaragua is not the smallest, but, you know, Beijing, is, their goal is to keep stripping away all their, some of their bigger allies. And since President Tsai has taken first took office in 2016. So over the past four years, China has poached seven of their formal allies, some are, you know, Dominican Republic, Panama, El Salvador, San Tome and Principe, uh, Principe, you know, some other ones too. So they're like, that's so how China they work. China poaching away the countries that, that recognize, legitimize Taiwan. Um, and Tsai Ing-wen is an interesting character. Uh, 
can you, um, I'd love to hear your impression of her. That She always strikes me as this enormously collected, thoughtful woman uh, navigating one of the most difficult jobs in world politics. Is that kind of right? Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And she's, you know, she's a tiny little lady, but she's, she's fierce to me as well, you know, collected, calm, cool, collected, um, but fierce. You know, she's a superwoman running uh, free China and not backing down to, to Beijing. She's not afraid to, you know, stand their grounds. And, um, you know, she had like run in the run up to this election, there was a, the Chinese were who are great gaslighters and excellent uh, disinformation. We're trying to flood all of this weird information out there about her. When I was in Taiwan, if I remember the story correctly, they were trying to say that she had had like that she was pregnant and like uh, all sorts of weird things that like went against some kind of cultural thing, which I guess is a terrible story because I'm not doing a very good job of telling it. But um, to withstand all of those kind of disinformation attacks and not be cowed. So disinformation, the attempt to disenfranchise Taiwan as a member of the international, I don't like the phrase international community, but that's what they're trying to, China's trying to evict Taiwan from. Um, you know what I think what is interesting? Really the threat. Yeah, sorry. Ahead. I was going to add this because I think it's interesting and I think it's a testament to quick, how quickly Beijing works. So Foreign Minister Wu, when I talked to him in August, had told me that just recently, so within that month of August, um, Taipei had established a representative office in Somaliland, which is close to Somalia. And almost immediately, China's ambassador to Somalia had offered the Somaliland president a development package on the condition that they cease talks with Taiwan at all, in like no time at all. And this is Somaliland. Like, what are, what are they actually going to really do for Taiwan if it, you know, if push come to, came to shove? But it's still a testament, I think, to how terrified China is by free and freedom and democracy. Sorry, I just thought that was interesting because he told me that. And I, that's I important. Was... Actually, that's a great illustration of this horrendous bullying behavior. Um, this is part of a world scene in which, as you mentioned, China aspires to become the dominant world power. And one of the part of that formula is they want to destroy these free first steps are destroy the free society in Hong Kong, as you wrote, somehow destroy mm -hmm. the free society in Taiwan. Um, you've mentioned disinformation. You've mentioned how they try and take away countries that recognize them, poach them. Um, what else, what other threats does Taiwan face from China? How, how dire is this? Well, I mean, we, we should definitely examine the um, real ramp up of military aggression in, in, the, in the Straits, in the East China Sea, in the South China Sea. The, at near daily, you know, as I write um, in September, it was near daily um, military exercises and aggression flying over um, Taiwanese airspace. It, it, it's a show to say, look what we can do. Get ready, you know. And those exercises have been near daily. You know, when um, one of our uh, White House officials went to visit, they ramped up. There was like a whole weekend full of of aggression and, and Chinese they're getting into the, the waters too now just to show them we're, we can come if we want to. And their military, unfortunately, is much larger than Taiwan. So there's a, a real fear that, um, that they could be outgunned. And they are outgunned, actually. But um, 
Taiwan is working on bolstering its defenses and ramping up its military, um, which is, you know, good on them. They need to, but also why they need more allies like the United States, for instance. Um, yeah. To come out and the and, Trump and administration has been has been selling them uh, weapons as we as we head into the interesting mysteries of 2021. Um, They've, the U.S. administration has been selling them weapons uh, at a picked-up pace that they may need to defend themselves. And mm-hmm. if you may, we just paint a picture of the geography there. It's a relatively narrow strait that separates the island of Taiwan from the mainland of China. And along the coast, China has positioned missiles for years. But now right. you're seeing this huge military modernization. Uh, in China, and they've built a blue water navy, which has been taking over, sort of creating artificial islands in the South China Sea to threaten freedom of navigation. And Taiwan sits within striking distance of all that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any sense of how imminent a threat that might be? You know, how how per- how dangerous is the situation? I think that it's pretty dire. Um, you know, as the fourth minister said, which is true, whenever China faces um, internal discord, you know, like creating havoc with a pan, you know, creating a pandemic by hiding it, um, for instance, they, they focus yeah. outwards. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they yeah. take the heat off themselves. At least they think that they're taking the heat off themselves. Um, they try to muck other things up around the world. So I think that is pretty dangerous. I, I think that um, I think that we need to be on Taiwan's side much faster. Then we're moving. In my, in there, my opinion, there are a number of things um, among the places that make it difficult for Taiwan is the United Nations, which excludes them, which has not allowed them, which let them take part as an observer for a while at the World Health Organization, but then kicked them out again in 2017, and in some most cases doesn't even allow them in the building. Um, mm-hmm. This is the kind of challenge they've got on every front. Uh, do you have? Can you give us some idea of what it is that the United States can do, needs to do, must do, and why that matters? Why is it so important? I, I think the first and foremost is to come out openly and staunchly on the side of Taiwan. And they haven't done that historically. Um, you know, as, as I note in my piece, they've operated on this kind of strategic ambiguity kind of principle whereby they can keep peace with China, at least on the surface, but by not antagonizing them, by supporting Taiwan. And it lets, doesn't let China know that if, if push comes to shove, that, they would, that the United States would come in for Taiwan. But I think that we're past that. And we need to, and I honestly believe that if the United States just came out and said, um, we are going to stand with Taiwan, and if there's any kind of military action or aggression toward Taiwan, they will have an ally and a defender as well. And I think if we did that, I, I firmly believe that the UK would join, Australia would join, Japan would join. Now we're talking about bigger allies, you know? Japan is just as... Now we're talking about an alliance that could really matter in Asia. Um, exactly. Which is one of the things that we don't quite have. And um, the, of course, Taiwan occupies this sort of strange status where it's not treated as a country, even though it has its own government, its own borders, all the features of a country. Yeah, China claims it as a province, and 
Taiwan does, you know, participates in things under these various odd labels, Taipei, China, uh, you know, the trade and economic office and so on. Um, right. Would if would uh, if the U.S. were to actually go and we America recognized Taiwan, the Republic of China as China until Nixon's rapprochement with communist China in 1972. And then Jimmy right. Carter normalized relations with China in 79, and Taiwan went into this strange status. If America were to recognize Taiwan as a country, no doubt China would have a fit. But yes. um, would, that be a good, would that be a good thing? Um, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I think so. Look at where we are. China's increasingly more aggressive, not just in Taiwan, but around the world. Um, Look at what look at what the communists have done this year, um, and they're unapologetic about it. If you look at what they're doing to the Uyghurs, to like the surveilling of their own citizens in their country, like if they don't care about those things, then they definitely don't care about anyone else in the world. And I think that that we don't really have much to lose. I guess I would say, because um, one way or another, there's going to I feel like there's going to be a clash with China one way or another. Um, we could get ahead of that, I think. That's, I think we should, uh, maybe that's a, Go ahead. Go ahead. going to say no, maybe go that's a good, a good note to wrap this up, but let's, I think it's important just to underline as clearly as we possibly can the stakes here. Um, years ago, Alicia, I had an editor who called me up in the middle of the night I was working in Hong Kong and said to me, I want you to take this down. And he said, red China, red China, red China, red China, free China, free China, free China, free China. <laughs> go in and go in and write about that. Um, what, what's the basic, basic contrast here? And how does this matter to the future of the 21st century, the future of the world? I mean, how big are these stakes? They're massive. If, you want, if we want a world in which China gets bigger and bigger, and get to squelch free any kind of freedom at all or dissent if you if the world is okay with that being taken over with then by all means let them have their way um and and they will get it um so i think that it's really important that we defend places like china um who share the same values because then because that'll catch on i think you know as i said and i mean we have to fight against that for freedom to, to to go on, I guess that's a weird way to say that. But um, we have to fight against against the communists who would take down anyone who stands in their way. And Taiwan is it does doing their best. Be, precisely, it does seem to be the way. If you look for a way forward, what do we do about a China that is ruled by a really basically hostile government with ambitions to rule the world? And there we have Taiwan with a free society, a functioning democracy, and I think, as you said, a fierce president. <laughs> yeah, six to her guns. That's, uh, thank you so much for some insight into what it is and why it matters. And uh, thank you, Alicia. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, you as well, Claudia. For more, yeah, for more information, please look to the IWF.org site and we'll find Alicia's article and more information there. Thank you, everybody.